0: Empire Lines uncovers the unexpected, often two-way flows of empires through art. Interdisciplinary thinkers use individual artworks as artefacts of imperial exchange, revealing the how and why of the monolith empire. In London with Kristen Hjeliader, now this is where I'm asking a favour, because I can never get Kristen's last name correct. In this episode, contemporary artist Maha Ahmed reconnects Asian art forms along the Silk Road, migrating between traditional Mughal and Persian miniature paintings, Japanese woodblock prints and imported Islamic ceramics.
1: I'm Maha Ahmed and we're at Leighton House. We're going to explore my exhibition called Where
0: Worlds Meet. And you take Where Worlds Meet quite literally. You were born in Pakistan, you've lived and worked in Lahore, London and Tokyo and you're currently based in Dubai. Dubai. Flying birds and storks populate your paintings. Can you talk about movement and travel, how it's influenced your practice?
1: I learned um, the traditional miniature painting in Lahore at the National College of Arts. And I was in London for two years at Central St. Martin's, did my MA, And uh, I was actually doing extremely large-scale abstract work at the time. And then I moved to Tokyo where I think traditional media was much more appreciated and sort of understood in a different way. Um, Because at the time, when I was at Central St. Martin's, it was all about new media and pushing boundaries. And I felt like I needed to do that as well. And I then experimented a lot with different materials, different formats. But I did sort of circle back to miniature painting when I moved to Japan because I felt a reconnect to traditional arts. I was just sort of speaking about the impact that Japan had on my work where I feel the color palettes and the negative spaces are really really influenced by a Japanese traditional painting. Since then, I've been in Dubai, there was a lockdown. (laughs) Uh, So we moved in 2019, and then COVID happened. So the initial part uh, of our life in Dubai was in lockdown, which was quite interesting, I think, because it was a new space, we hadn't really explored it that much. So I really felt that sort of disconnect from the space, from obviously the surrounding that I think everyone else felt. The works that I made there are about that sort of connection and disconnection, which is quite
0: evident with the composition. So now we're quite settled in Dubai and still working there. I'd love to come back to Japan, but I want to draw a little bit more on these works. You paint fantastical imaginary worlds which often relate to your own personal feelings. There are these mythical hybrid creatures that are often sort of at odds with their surroundings and your titles reference noise, but they also speak of solitude, emptiness, a wall at every turn. Can you talk about the isolation, the loneliness that also feeds into your work and perhaps how that's connected to migration too.
1: So I was in London right before we moved to Tokyo and it's vibrant here. Like there was a lot of, you know, interesting conversations. It was all about sort of really connecting with the art world here because obviously I was studying and you're around artists and like-minded people all the time. And then I moved to Japan where I didn't obviously understand the language. I couldn't read anything. So even if you're going to a grocery store, you'd have to Google translate salt because it's written in Japanese. And that sort of feeling of walking through a space where the surrounding noise and text is illegible uh, sort of led to these works where you see that isolation because I felt quite a lot out of place when I first moved there. So you see that illegibility. I think it's about sort of really making an effort to read the work as well. So the monochromatic of it, the scale of it, is about making that effort to read or for the work to actually be legible to you. I think that has carried on in my work since then but the conversation is now more internal, post-COVID. I think being stuck in a small space for a very long time which I think all of us experienced we had to sort of get to know ourselves in a very different way so post-COVID my practice has been about that conversation with myself and the cranes or the birds sort of coming together as two entities rather than the other sort of stepping in which you find in
0: my earlier works. You talked about tradition. We can see that in the Persian and Mughal manuscripts and classical Japanese arts that you draw from. But also you mentioned those rich greens and blues. These are colours that you picked up from your time working at an illustration studio in Tokyo. So many of your works seem to touch on exchanges within Asia. I wonder, is it something quite conscious in them that they decenter the focus from Western Europe almost altogether?
1: So the traditional Mughal and Persian miniature painting is also strangely influenced by Chinese and Japanese woodblock prints. So the Silk Route sort of brought about these prints to this region and you see a very, very distinct adaptation, I would say. Uh, so the technique is completely different. But in terms of the imagery that you actually see sometimes, it's very, very similar. So you find all of these things coming together even at that time. I was able to actually exist in Japan and be able to access work there in a different way. I think from books and other things, you don't really understand the scale of it. You don't understand the impact of the silk screens or really small books of woodblock prints. It is intentional in the sense that I think it has gone hand in hand in the past. And I find that it works really well. The negative spaces really bring about the details, but you don't find that in traditional miniature painting, but you do find it in traditional Japanese painting. So when you do bring them together, it creates a space which allows for uh, thought. It's about a pause. So being able to pause in the negative space to access the clutter in the middle, (laughs) if that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. And we touched on those transnational connections in another episode of Empire Lines recorded at Beyond the Page, looking at contemporary responses to miniature traditions in South Asia. One of the artists is my
1: teacher, Imran Qureshi, who was basically my tutor for my thesis and has
0: been a wonderful support since then. Even the word miniature is often seen as quite derogatory, sometimes in Western Europe, a reference to how this is a form often marginalised, both in terms of the media being on paper and the size. Really, it's the contrasts I find in the contemporary and the traditional that characterise your work. You work on tea and coffee stained paper, and then other works come in really surprising forms. A work titled Fishbowl is actually very angular and cut out into the corner of the page.
1: Fishbowl is a four-part series and the one you see is just one part of it so the four sort of joined together so the concept was to have a space that was cut in four they're not exactly the same size they're all different sizes but the continuity you would see within all four frames so the bird would connect to the fish at the bottom so from this side you would see the bird connecting to the other fish and the stark lines were about the impact of the lockdown like there's a violence in it where you find a very very stark disconnect because again we were in a new space the disconnect was extremely uh, large we didn't really know anyone and you're suddenly stuck inside and I was pregnant at the time so this whole experience was quite uh interesting so the fishbowl series is called fishbowl because if you saw all four of them together they are sort of circling within the same space but are completely disconnected from each other because they exist in different worlds so the starkness of the line was very very intentional because I wanted there to be a bit of I think violence is a very strong word but a strength in the line where you would see that disconnect very strongly.
0: Earlier, you mentioned there's a different reception, understanding to these traditional arts and crafts across the world, and you've exhibited globally. To get to this gallery space, we've walked down the staircase oneness created by the artist Shahzad Ghaffari, who's also (laughs) featured on Empire Lines before. We're looking now, though, at an unfolding, which is a special commissioned piece, also inspired, like Shahzad, by the rich interiors of Leighton House, particularly its Arab Hall. It's absolutely glowing with greens and blues and ochres. Can you talk to me about this work and the colours that you've used within it?
1: You see a hybrid creature made from different elements of different animals sort of hovering over a blue colbat landscape, a very rocky, lush landscape, which you find in a lot of my other paintings, which is what basically my creatures inhabit. The colors of this work were actually quite intentional because they come from a very, very uh, long history of Islamic architecture and art. If you go to, for example, the Blue Mosque in Turkey, there's a lot of representation of these colours in Islamic architecture. So I felt quite um, comfortable to be appropriating the same colours within my own practice because it connects to my own life and my beliefs. So I appropriated the colours of the Arab Hall into this painting to sort of really connect the spaces together. And I also was quite interested to use the Arab Hall as a reference to this work because I find that the precision, the sensitivity through which the space is created is also how I wanted my work to sort of sit in this space. So I've used the sort of language of the colours coming together in the same way as well, where in the Arab Hall, you see the gold and the black with the calligraphy really coming down onto the tile work at the bottom. I'm having another show at Gallery Issa in Mumbai. I've created a series of works for that specifically, which uh, are about the meeting of different animals to the crane bird that I've used in, for example, where two worlds come to meet. And the bird that you see in an unfolding is the final version. So every single time the crane bird would meet an animal, it's about that conversation, that exchange of attributes, you can say. So the bird transforms a bit. The scales of the fish are onto the body of the bird. You see the tail of the bird is now a fish. This part flying from the bird's face is from a demon. The head is from a bird and the beak is a crow's beak. So in that show, the final bird that's sort of created is this one. And I wanted this piece, because I created it specifically for Leighton House, to represent where I am now within my practice and then I wanted to use this space to create a site-specific installation with the bird that you see flying above it which is the bird that leaves the paper and comes onto the gallery wall will be left behind and eventually painted over so it's about that transition my work has always been about transitions and that sort of learning and relearning and reframing who we are because of our surroundings.
0: And those site-specific installations, I've loved tracing them around the gallery walls. You pointed out a tiny bird in the corner of the room that's hiding near the floor. For the first time as well at Leighton House, there'll also be an augmented reality gallery experience through which viewers can interact with your works, moving in flight What was it like working with AR in the space and has it added a different dimension to your practice?
1: Yeah, so it's the first time we've experimented with AR and it's been really exciting to see the work sort of come to life with this QR code. So in an unfolding, you see the birds actually take flight towards the outside bird, which is bringing together a lot of the work. And it's extremely interesting to see how two works that are not actually connected to each other actually come together. It sort of ties back to how I actually make the work as well, where I first draw my work onto a tracing sheet. And then sort of put things together to see how it works to form a composition. And in the little video piece that we've done, there's a lot of different paintings coming together that creates a very, very beautiful space where, you know, stuff that possibly wouldn't be seen together now is populating this space, which is really, really fun.
0: I was surprised to see that you called this exhibition your first retrospective given that you're such a contemporary artist. What's your relationship with that word in particular and those connections between past and present?
1: I actually was telling a friend of mine that I'm having a retrospective show and she's like, um, don't you have to be not alive for that? Because <laughs> you know, your work sort of comes together I guess at that time. But... I find that word really represents this space because you see a transition of how the language or the imagery has changed through time, even though I guess it's not that many years. But in terms of how the image has changed, there's a very, very strong narrative that you see, and it's sort of my life presented in this very small room. So I find that word to be quite fitting, I think.
0: Maha, thank you ever so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Maha Ahmed, Where Worlds Meet, runs at Leighton House in London until the 3rd of March 2024. For more, you can read my article. You'll find all the links in the episode notes. This episode is edited by Luke Matthews. Empire Lines is produced by Yelena Sofronievich. For more episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.